You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scaling Your Business. I am your gracious host, David Andrus, and thank you once again for listening. I am super excited to bring to you a gentleman who has an unbelievable story. It is absolutely remarkable. His challenges and everything, what he's gone through, where he's at. So I'm excited to bring to you Mark Aikens. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Mark is a sales expert at Brewer Garrett. He's also the founder and owner of Gratifying Expressions. And he's an author. He's an author of Challenger Perception of Cold Calling. So I'm excited to have you again, Mark. Thank you very much for being here, Bob. Dave, thank you for having me. This is a great honor. Great. I'm excited. Yeah, so am I. So just <laughs> a little bit about what we do with this podcast and, and what we're trying to, to bring out is we really want to talk to every individual and as a business professional, no matter if you're an entry-level position or the CEO or an entrepreneur or an attorney or in the medical field, really any industry, we want to share experiences of all of our hardships and our successes and kind of show what's the mindset of what we do to scale our business, right? Whether it's your business or someone else's business, we're all working towards the same goal and that's to be productive and to make our businesses better. So everybody I feel has a story that they can share based on what they've gone through, their mindset, and ultimately how it helped themselves or other people gain more success or grow bigger. And what that term is as far as success is obviously relative, which we'll touch on. But so that's what we want to experience today, Mark, is we want to find out kind of everything you've gone through, your mindset on, you know, overcoming your challenges and ultimately what it took to not only scale the business you're in with Burger Garrett, but also now you're starting your own business. So definitely to scale that business as well. So Mark, can you, in your own terms, kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in your journey? So grew up in a single parent household. So it's me and I have an older and a younger brother, no sisters. So just growing up east side of Cleveland, you know, going through the hardships of not having so much. We did the government assistance, the Section 8 housing, the food stamps. You know, it wasn't easy economically growing up. And not only was it just with the money aspect of it, but having the one parent, you know, that's always tough. And my grandfather, so him and my grandmother, they were married. But when I was seven, he had a stroke and he couldn't talk or walk for the rest of his life. And I lost him at 13. So it was just kind of tough finding your way, finding your male influences, finding your great leaders and your strong people. But just trials and tribulations and, you know, bumping your head a lot. You eventually figure out where you want to go, what you want to do. So, you know, just making my way up through the ranks as far as starting trade school as an adult. You know, I got out of high school and still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was very, very grateful to make it out of high school. I actually was told that I wouldn't make it out and you know, lost my mother's support as well by the time I was 15 years old. And I ended up making it out a month early than any other senior. And I did that in spite of only having three-fourths of one credit my junior year and coming to gain all 22 by that next year. So that was great. And just getting out of high school, I really I really didn't think about business. I didn't think about working. I just felt like the huge relief 
And then the crunch time that I put in for that last year and a half, it just was, hey, whatever happens, happens. Kind of fly by the seat of your pants type of deal. And I ended up getting into trade school in my 20s for uh, HVAC. And that ended up being the best thing that I've ever done. Sticking with that and staying with that, it ultimately led me down the path that I'm on now, becoming a sales expert, an author, being able to mentor, network with other great professionals such as yourself. So it's just been a, a fantastic journey. And I encourage everyone to be clear on what you want to see and be clear on your goals. So you always want to write your goals and submit and your plans in the sand because even though the plan may change, the goal should stay the same. Very true. Very true. So curious, you going into your junior year, you only had three quarters of a credit? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> so you had to you had to crunch the last four years into two years in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of where was your mindset in your, you know, up until your sophomore year that you only had three quarters of a credit? So a lot of that has to do with the outside school life. So having an older brother, he's about five years older than me. And it was either I followed in his path or my mother still seen everything that was like similar to him. And she just he didn't finish school. She didn't think I was going to finish school. You know, he was a troublemaker. So if I was to break a pencil in class and get detention, she automatically thought I was going down his path. So he wouldn't do any anything at home, any chores or any. So I got double the chores. And it's just she was super hard on me. And I think it was because she was afraid that I would be him in some type of way. So what happens is once you get away from home and you get to school, I only focus on the social aspect. I focus on the social aspect. I focus on not being under her authority. I focus on not being under her thumb and, you know, not having to be judged by her. You know, you start to build your own legacy and your own name when you're outside in the home. So while I was going to school, especially high school, I went to a pretty big high school and we had, you know, over a thousand kids. I think it was closer to 2000 kids and huge building. So all those different people, all those different teachers, you know, it wasn't even one principal for everybody. They had one principal for the school, but they made everyone have to report to a vice principal and there were multiple vice principals. So there was it was like a, a community being a part of a different community. So I just was having fun. You know, unfortunately, that fun was so irresponsible that it led me to, you know, not taking anything seriously. And it's not that I didn't do any work, but it's all about averages. Right. So you show up with a couple of homework assignments. And then if you don't for the next few weeks, then it all goes down. And then I never took finals. I looked at it again. It was the freedom. You know, you come in and say, hey, you got one final from eight to ten and you come back and take one from one to three. So when I just had that freedom, it was just that was that was more important to me at that time. And I had to pay for it. Where was that shift in mindset to say, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to continue down this path. I'm going to do this and complete high school and put everything I have into it. What was that mindset? What put you into that mindset to do that? It's a great, great question. And this is an interesting one. So what I like to tell people is just because no one encourages you doesn't mean you don't deserve encouragement. Just because someone doesn't believe in you doesn't mean that you're not worth being believed in. So what really got me to alter my mind state was when I saw that my mom, she, when I was 15, she said I wasn't going to make it. You know, she signed for me to drop out of school. 
because I was getting in trouble and I wasn't keeping up with my grades. And I had teachers tell me that I wasn't going to make it. And what am I going to do? Am I going to try a fifth year student? Am I going to just drop out and do nothing with myself? I didn't like that. I didn't like that people thought they could paint that picture of me. And I know that I can do it. I just, it's like I said, it was just that escape for me. And knowing that I had to knuckle down and it was only me that could make this happen. And a lot of the music I was listening to, the rappers were saying how they didn't graduate high school and, you know, they still make more money than their teachers and blah, blah, blah. I just, I didn't want anyone to look at that. You know, I had a younger brother. I had younger cousins. It was the first four in my family was my older brother, my older cousin, me, and then my younger cousin. My older brother and my older cousin both dropped out of school. So it was me up next. So I'm thinking about who's watching. I'm also thinking about what I would tell my kids in the future. I'm also thinking about don't want anyone to say, hey, I knew it. I knew this guy was a loser. I knew he wouldn't make it. You know, when you got teachers and your parents don't believe in you, a lot of people will give up because they would think, hey, these are the people who would know, you know, and it, it was just never believing in what someone else thought of me. Really being comfortable with knowing and understanding myself was the biggest thing and believing in what I could do. When you know that you can do it, other people read it off of you and the universe has a special way of stepping aside for someone who knows where they're going. That's great, Bob. And I appreciate that you want to talk a little bit about your childhood because ultimately I think that kind of sets you for the pace for some of the other things you're going to come against. If you have it already that young, which it sounds like you did and you just had that light switch, even in, you know, in, in your sophomore to junior year, I know when you're in business, you're going to make it regardless because you, you've experienced and now that's your foundation. Like you said, that be clear on what you want to cement it from that point on. I'm sure that that has happened, which I, I definitely want to get into. So thank you for sharing that. So that you went to trade school, mm -hmm. you went to trade school for HVAC. Yes. And then out of that, did you jump right into Brugger? How did that transition take place? Great question also. So this was a little interesting. So you go to school for the trade, you know, and the first thing that we're all thinking, of course, is we're going to just be learning with our hands. And then from then we'll get put into a job. We'll get into the field. You make all of this money. You know, at that time, what they were promising us was, hey, you're going to get out of here. You're going to make $50,000 a year, which isn't that's not the cream of the crop at all. It's not terrible. OK, for anyone who's making making money, if you're making your money and you can afford your lifestyle, that's what it's all about. Right. True wealth is, is when you get your lifestyle that you want and maintain it. It's not just about getting it, it's about maintaining it and then being satisfied with that. So. Just being in there and finding out that there was a lot more to it than the hands-on. And I guess that I thrived in a way they weren't teaching me. So just being social, you know, you had a lot of people say, you know, hey, the whole building, no, Mark's not here. So just being social, making good with my instructors. And about eight months in, one of my instructors say, hey, I know the vice president of a wholesaler. And it's not quite getting right into the field, but you're still in your industry. And uh, he sold me on it. You know, it wasn't a hard sale because I was in between jobs at the time. When I say in between, it's not that I wasn't working. I, I was actually working two jobs while I was going to school. And uh, one of them was through a temp agency, but it was still five days a week. And another one I had on my own that was two days a week. And then I was going to school four days a week. So when I say in between, it's just that I didn't have anything solid that I was just going to. And 
I ended up going to the wholesalers six days a week. I worked there and I was making more money than I was making at the other jobs. So it was solid for me. And you just worked there for, I think it was about 18 months or a little bit more. And you work your ass off and you be yourself. You know, you network still wherever you're at, you network. Met some great contractors there, some great people there I still talk to. I made great with the owners. And from being there, I actually went back to the trade school. I went to Remington College in Cleveland here. I went back to the trade school and we were looking to hire some guys, local 33 sheet metal union. We have a sheet metal shop in the back of the wholesalers. I went back and I actually got two guys hired that were in my class. And I was told that they have an associate degree program. So by this time, I had already walked the stage, got my HVAC diploma, got my universal EPA certification. And here I am embarking on this journey to get an associate's degree. So I did become the first college graduate in my family. And where, where no one believed I would walk the stage one time, I did it three times. So that was fantastic. And through that journey, Brewer Garrett, they gave me a call. They had a four-time recruiter. And I went from selling parts, pieces, equipment, sheet metal work to residential contractors to buying exclusively for Brewer Garrett on a commercial side. And then just from uh, just pushing it and being dedicated and believing in the team and the culture, making up a path for myself and being open about what I wanted. I ended up here being in sales and, you know, becoming a sales expert. Great kind of values there as far as your thought process, you know, in, in dedicating yourself, making sure you push yourself and drive yourself. Is that what led you to become a sales expert? How do you how do you get that title sales expert? Okay, and that's great too. So I feel like it's not enough to love what you do. You have to love who you do it with and who you do it for. And if that wasn't true, sports players wouldn't trade teams. Right. So I think about it like, yeah, and I think about it like let's say, you know. You're a L.A. Lakers fan and then you get drafted to the Grizzlies. You may never push as hard until you get to be a Laker. And it may be no slight to that team. And you're still doing what you love and you don't, not that you don't hate the team. But when you're when you're part of something that you're proud of, sometimes it's a little different. So when I got with this organization, I was proud of the organization, what they had done, who they were working with. And then the fact that they accepted me. So as I, I worked hard and found out that, you know, the owner used to be a sales rep and our general manager used to be a salesman. He's still sales, a general manager of service. So this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into sales because I felt like it would be a great way to take care of the company, to look out for the company, to be a great value add to the company. And so, you know, when I was still doing parts, I was the parts manager and I I pulled the operations manager. I pulled my direct supervisor. This is all separately. And I pulled the general manager and I talked to them and say, what, what should I be focusing on to get to the next step? You know, I already feel like I'm killing it here. You get compliments. Uh, no one's, no one's telling you to do anything any better or any different. So I really want to focus on what could I be doing to set myself up for the next step? Who should I be talking to? Who should I be trying to get mentored by? or learn from to make sure I can make it to the next step. And they were thinking service management, project management, and I was thinking sales, you know, so even speaking with the owner, you know, and say, hey, sales is going to be a big challenge. And, you know, hey, I, I want to set you up for failure. It's not that I don't think you can't do it. And, you know, you get a lot of that, but you know what you want to do. And they set me up for a little microwave effect to the sales, which was a care rep. And instead of, you know, cold, encounters that were a little warm because they were already customers we've done big projects with and that we've done 
service contracts with, and I'd reach out and set up meetings. And then I was able to get over a hundred meetings in less than six months with customers. And they, they said that I was moving way faster than they ever expected. And they went ahead and pushed me into sales. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you get into sales without knowing a damn thing about sales and not even knowing a salesman outside of this company. <laughs> so what I did was I had to focus on cold calling. That was all I had. I didn't have any relationships. I didn't know anyone. And in my first year after, you know, week after week of embarrassment in the par meetings, no activity, no meetings, you know, month after month of embarrassment uh, in our monthly sales meetings, no activity, no meetings. I just decided to really understand what I thought of sales, what I thought of cold calling, what I thought of closing, all of this good stuff. It's not about what someone can teach you. What, what are you really soaking it in as? And so I challenged my perception and I was able to pull down 58 meetings. I ran 58 meetings. I set more than that, but sometimes people cancel. I ran 58 new meetings my first year, was, which is you know, on average a little more than one a week. And it was more than our top producer that year. And I didn't close every meeting, but I was able to set up those meetings. And I think that says a lot because even with the seasoned sales professionals that we have within my company, no one likes to cold call. And there's not a lot of success when it comes to cold calling. That's amazing. And and yeah, how tough of a business to be in that you have to go out there and, you know, make those calls and introductions where you don't know these people. And, and how many times could you say that you've been hung up on? Oh my gosh. Countless times. Right. You, you get hung up on countless times. People, they say the craziest things. You, you say, hey, hey, this is Chad at ABC Company. Hey, Chad, I'm glad I caught you. It's Mark over at Brewer Garrett. And oh, I'm not interested. Click. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, what? you don't even know what I'm talking about, you know? Okay. So the biggest thing with that is just you don't take anything personally. To the people who have a little bit of anxiety with cold calling, these people understand that they are not rejecting you. Okay. They don't know anything about you. They don't know anything about your company. They're rejecting more or less an opportunity and without understanding that. So don't take it personal. Maybe you do have the best service, the best product, the best solution. They don't know. So they're not rejecting that. So don't take that personal. Also, they can't see you. So if you do have a little bit of fear or anxiety when it comes to that, understand that you have a mask on. You guys are over the phone. You know, if you even a lot of performers, great performers, they they say these things like, you know, hey, I don't know what took over me when I was on stage. Or some people have a split personality. Beyonce says Sasha Fierce takes over. So even going so far to create something like that, it make it fun. You know, you want to be as comfortable as you can be because when you are comfortable, it makes other people comfortable. When you're relaxed, it makes other people relaxed. If someone is sweating and nervous and stuttering, you're not going to just think that they're unsure of themselves, but you want to question what they're trying to sell you and talk to you on. Because if this is really going to be the best thing I've ever seen, heard, tasted, had, whatever, why aren't you excited to talk to me about it? Why aren't you comfortable with, hey, even if I don't want it, me just losing out, you know? So it's just about building up that being comfortable and it's different for everybody, but that's that's some of the, the main important things, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously your experience shows and, and to take that experience and then put it on paper and have the ability for other people to learn what you went through as far as cold calling and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes I'm sure that you feel you made or whatnot. That's pretty incredible to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to write a book. What brought you to the decision to say, you know what? I want to become an author and I want to write a book. So 
I've actually, I started writing music and poetry when I was 11 years old. So I, I've always been into writing and I feel that I've always been great with my words. So not to totally just get off subject here, but you know, the, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and guy says he wants to be a salesman, right? And his friend's dad says, well, how's your love life? And and he says, not good. You know, well, hey, you know, if you're a good salesman, then you have a great love life too, you know, and don't directly quote me, but that's something how it goes. So I was, I never had a problem in that area. And so I, I feel like that, that my words meant something and just having a talk with one of my coworkers one day. And I'm one of those people that I, I believe I can do anything. And a lot of times for lack of knowing, it's the only reason why you don't accomplish it. So he just came to me one day and we were talking and he, you know, he said, what really makes people experts, you know, because there was a book that we read on cold calling and we just couldn't get with it. And he had been doing sales for over 30 years, you know, and he's like, you should write a book on cold calling. And it was funny because the first thing that flashed through my head also was we were in a par meeting and this is where I really, you know, get the sales expert from because it's, it's amazing where I've come from. And we were in a par meeting one time, my general manager, the other salesman on my team, and we got one guy out in Columbus. So he's on a video call and he's talking about the sales training that we put him through because he's kind of new. And he says, Mark, Mark should be in this training. My general manager's like, what? He's already been through this training. He's like, yeah, with the cold calling part. He's like, Mark wrote the book on cold calling, <laughs> right? So he's already believing in me even before I, I did it. So all that just instantly flashed before my head. And then I thought to myself, I love helping people. My life has been so many ups and downs, trials and tribulations, bumped my head so many times that I would love people to be able to learn from me. And I know that this fear and anxiety of rejection and cold calling, it's real. It's so real. And it's its almost terribly so real that I didn't have a fear of it until I started doing it. I developed a fear of it. So I walked in with the I can do anything and I developed anxiety and fear because of it. And the fact that I was able to get through it. And when I started sales, they gave me a book on cold calling that did nothing for me, that did nothing for me being a fresh salesman, not just to the company, but in my entire career. And a guy that's been there for over 30 years in, in the sales world, who this book does nothing for him. And thinking that if someone else could have to become a salesman and my book was sat in front of them, you know, what it could do for them. So it's not about giving you a particular thing to say, a golden script, giving you the golden hours. I mean, just use your own imagination when it comes to hours. You know, really, really people don't take the time to think, okay? You really just have to think sometimes. Mondays, yes, they'll probably be there. Go for a cold email before you go for a cold call because people are probably catching up with a lot of hustle and bustle. So they're going to be looking to emails and see what they can sort through, what they can go. So that that may be something to get checked because they may even think that this is something they caught up on th from over the weekend or whatever. If you're going to do cold in interactions, I would say that maybe an email would be better on a Monday. But I would say any other day in the morning will probably be good after lunch. People are usually a little bit calmer. You don't want to go too late on a Friday. A lot of people cut out on Fridays, Wednesdays. The book I read actually said there is absolutely no good time on Wednesdays to ever talk to anyone and to ever get a meeting. He had golden hours. He said there's no golden hours on Wednesdays. He has millions of people who do the research. It doesn't work. It never works. It can't work. And so I made the habit to always get at least two meetings every Wednesday. So don't believe that. Don't believe that. But I, I just say use your common sense. And, you know, aside from that, just like I said, being comfortable, use your common sense as far as the time goes. 
And once you're comfortable doing something, you're going to do it more often. And that that's what my whole book is about, is just understanding what you're doing and make yourself comfortable so you can do it more often. And, and then you'll get better at it. Yeah, that's I'm excited to read the book. And it sounds like just from hearing you, this doesn't just pertain, for me at least, just doesn't pertain to cold calling as well. If I'm on the street and going business to business, this sounds like good advice that I can do even if I'm going into a place for the first time and, and trying to introduce myself because it's the same thing. It's just now it's in person, not on the phone. Yeah, absolutely. There's actually, so I actually touch on that uh, in a chapter in the book and just so, so real quick. So it's, it's all about challenging your perception. So I want you to think of something really quickly. And this, this goes great for when you're walking into businesses. This is why you want to do your best to make people comfortable and maybe even breed a tiny bit of familiarity before you walk into that business. Even if you're going to walk in completely cold, try to warm up best with you know the gatekeeper or something. So when you think about a lot of people, especially when it comes to you know the hustlers, the grinders, the big guys in the company or women, and they're working all the time, right? So this is a second home to a lot of people who go hard and who grind it out. So when you call this place home or second home, and can you imagine someone that you don't know walking into your home? Okay, this person may be 20 years, your your elder, 20 years younger, 15 years older, 15 years younger, a different gender, a different ethnic background, race, beliefs, walk into your home. And can you imagine your wife or your children coming upstairs and saying, there's a John Smith here to see you. He knew your name. He knew you'd be here right now. This is somewhere you come with comfortability every day. There are security doors in these big organizations. Sometimes you can't even get in the parking lots. Sometimes there's security at the front desk and you got past this. And now there's someone that's standing there that you don't know that's a different age, different background, a different gender. You don't know what they want, but they know who you are. And they're demanding to see you. And they knew you'd be here right now. You know, that could qualify you as being a creep. (laughs) <laughs> seriously so sometimes you gotta think about it in those ways and even though you could look in the mirror and even talk to a good friend or whoever and say to yourself man that just doesn't make sense doesn't that's not for everybody that doesn't apply to every of course it doesn't make sense to you you're a salesperson so of course it doesn't make sense to that person they know you they know you're a salesperson but in actuality some people are afraid because if cold calling is just Two individuals who have not been acquainted with each other, having a conversation and being comfortable with bonding with each other. This is what happens, period. So if people have anxiety about making cold calls, what makes you think people don't have anxiety about taking cold calls? So if you can have anxiety about walking into this building, what makes you think someone who wanted a laid back job to just sit at the desk, answer some phone calls, maybe schedule some stuff. They didn't want to be lifting brick laying. They didn't want to be doing a million files. They, they didn't want to be a salesperson. People don't want to be salespeople because they don't want to talk to people. They don't want to meet people. They don't want... So now you didn't took their comfortable space away by you walking in. They don't know you. They don't know if they're going to get in trouble by calling this person, paging this person. So it's really just about your perception of everything. And then once you understand it, then you challenge it and you kind of Rubik's Cube the whole thing. For sure. And it definitely obviously sounds like you're the expert. No wonder you have to scale of expert. Mark, so the success there, the success with the book, now you started your own company. Yes. Gratifying Expressions. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about the company and why you started the company? So I am big on expressing yourself. And I think we live in a time right now where, where that's just huge for humans. So you have, we're on a podcast right now. You're doing great with this as well. 
And there are YouTube channels, TikToks, Instagrams. I'm by no way doing, a, you know, getting sponsored to say these names, but, you know, all the social media platforms. So people are using them to express themselves. If if you just go on, okay, some people might be using it just to promote a product. That's still a, a form of expression. But some people are really, they want people to know their opinions on things. They want people to, to, to know that they have an opinion. So when you're going to express yourself, I think you should do it in a way that other people will be grateful that you did it. So that's what gratifying expressions is all about. And so I initially set out because of, you know, my writing and everything and my poetry, I initially set out to start doing greeting cards, actually. So I wanted my greeting cards to all be revolved around being grateful. And I had a guy say, hey, why don't you put it, put it on clothes? You know, what you would put on a greeting card. So I'm working towards getting something like that going without getting super deep into it. I have a, a great idea as far as that goes. But that led me to realizing there are other things I could do with the writing aspect of it. And that's when I figured, hey, I want to be able to run the book through gratifying expressions, you know, and just wanted it to be a really a really great name to be able to expand it and do a lot of different things with it. Because I feel like it's endless possibilities, you know, the same way I feel like I can do anything, the same way I can do anything with what I'm touching. So wanting to have something to run expressions through to make people grateful that I'm expressing myself and be able to help the world, help serve, give. And to me, that's how you grow. So that's what I'm out to do. That's fantastic. I'm excited to see that business grow. Speaking about growing your business, what does scaling your business mean to you? So to me, it would just mean, so of course you start with an idea, right? All earned riches and all achievements all begin with an idea. So you want to start with an idea and then you get your name, you get your LLCs or however you're going to go about that. You make a corporation, however you're going to go. And then you have a vision for something that you want to do with it. So with me in, in this book right now, I'm writing the book through gratifying expressions. Scaling it would just be not stopping there. Of course, you know, you want to do, do the promotions and everything for the book, but continuing to author many great timeless um, books. I want to be able to do that. And I don't want to just stop there. I want to do children's books as well. So again, I, you know, I started writing music and poetry at a young age. So I'm extremely well with rhyming and, and doing stuff like that. So I wanted to be able to bring that into children's books as well. And then, you know, like I said, the greeting card apparel type of deal. I want to be able to do that. I want to do some mentoring with it, you know, and maybe some youth programs. Because again, you know, expressing yourself in a way that others are grateful is what I wanted to be wrapped around. So just being able to touch other people, I want it to be a household name. I want it to be a reminder constantly that you should be grateful. Gratitude is the attitude, you know, and be able to create jobs as well, be able to create jobs in the space where people who who came from adversities like me would be able to thrive in. So when you look at even all the salesmen at my job, where, you know, my day job, they all have bachelor's degrees. So had I come off the street and not worked my way up to where I was, then maybe they wouldn't even accept me because of that, mm -hmm. you know? So I don't believe that you need a particular degree to be able to fulfill duties. So I want to be able to create jobs that are, again, people expressing themselves in a, in a way that makes others grateful and awesome. just be able to affect the community. 
That's great, man. I mean, obviously talking about you scaling your business and, and obviously we hear kind of what your plan is as well and, and what you're going to do to achieve those plans. But ultimately, it, it comes down with that mindset that you've instilled since you were a kid, you know, and, and really just to touch back on it, be clear of what you want, cement it in. But even if you're clear on what you want and, and you write that down and continue your thought process, you have to take action on it. So mm-hmm. one of the things I respect about you and what you say to yourself is you challenge yourself, just like in the book, challenge yourself in cold calling. You got to challenge yourself in life. You got to challenge yourself in, in these experiences. So it's amazing to hear that. And I'm excited to see your business grow. I know you're going to get there as well. It, obviously, you are have a successful career with Brewer Carrot and are continuing the growth there. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing because you push yourself, you dedicate yourself, you push yourself. I love the fact that you say you love what you do and not only love what you do, but you love who you're doing it with and for. I think that speaks volumes as well. But you had a lot of challenges, you know, as as we all do. Like you said, you had so many bumps in life and trials and tribulations. What has been the biggest learning experience thus far? Oh, God. So... 100% and I, I got to take it dark for a second on this one. But when I was 22 years old, I had a very serious suicide attempt and I shot myself point blank range in the chest. And I allowed the opinions of others and the way others treated me to make me look inward at my, I assumed their personalities and their opinions on me. And I started to feel that I wasn't worthy and that I was nothing. And so, you know, I, and I forgot I had a hollow point in there. So actually I was less than an inch away from my heart, but I shot myself point blank range with a 380 and lost over 70% of my body blood and every organ in my body shut down. And so here I am today. So where, and it's like, wow, why, why did he go there? So <laughs> no, you know what? I mean, that's, a, that's amazing. Mark, not to cut off, cut you off at that point, but you know, I'm listening and and going through the notes and things as far as what I've been writing down and and your mindset was already there. Like, I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through four years of school in two years. And now I'm going to trade school and I'm going to graduate there and nobody in my family. And then you hit another spot that says, hey, man, I'm just not worth it. So it's a, I super appreciate you bringing this up because a lot of people are like that. They Sometimes they ride that roller coaster ride, you know, and and, and Mental health, obviously, even more prominent now than before. It's it's such a game player, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it can change things. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Oh yeah, I'm curious though. Is again, once you've been through that, <laughs> but now look at you. You that's probably one of the biggest experiences, the hardest experience I'm sure you can go through. And I know you have some other experiences as well. So no, thank you for shining some light on that. And and look, man, not not everything's roses you know in business and and no matter what you do in life nothing's you know it doesn't come easy uh it's how you get past those things right so keep going yeah so after that you know how how do you make it through that so and just to touch on and mental health is everything right so what i don't like is that people only like to talk about mental health when someone has been diagnosed with what we would call a mental, you know, disorder or mental disease, you know, depression or, you know, anxiety or bipolar, schizophrenia. That's when they want to talk about mental health. But how come your body has health all, all day, every day? And your mental health only has mentioned when something's wrong. So mental health is everything. And 
I was succeeding. Yes, I, I did my thing. I was working consistently. And, you know, you, you finish high school. It's a great accomplishment. No problems in my love life. I had my own apartment by the time I was 21. I had by then I had owned maybe four cars, four or five cars. I bought my first car when I was 16. So I was I was having a good time in life. It wasn't that. It's just that you start to think that some of those things from your past will start to kind of work themselves out the better you do. So, you know, I never even knew my father's name, never had a father. You think that one day, you know, you've been and found him by now or he might find you. Never had a great relationship with my mother. You think that maybe the more she sees you're nothing like your brother and maybe she, she knows your father and maybe you're nothing like your father. That you're doing great things. You're still trying to be a great role model to your younger brother. Maybe you'll get her respect. You do great things for your individuals and your family. You think that maybe you'll start to get there. And it didn't it didn't happen. And then I ended up when I was 19, I had my first child and it, we broke up a year after my daughter was born. And, you know, things got really rough there. So my biggest fear at that time was always even before I had a child was that my children wouldn't get to know who I was because my mom was real spiteful towards my younger brother's dad. And he didn't get to spend time with them, even though he tried. So I didn't want that to happen. And now here I am, such a young man. And it just all was hitting me. You know, it's like you're, you're working, you're, you're striving, you're getting promoted at your job. And I was I was at that time, I was actually I started as a dishwasher, ended up being a cook. Everybody loved it was a mental health facility and the hospital. Everybody loved me in the hospital. They wanted to pull me out of the kitchen. I became a mental health technician, actually. And again, everyone who was doing that had mental health background. They had went to school for psychology and stuff. You don't. There's always a way. There's always a way. The CEO of that company doesn't. On that level, a dishwasher and a cook, he's not talking to anybody. I'd always tell him he had nice ties and we'd have conversations in the hallway. And he brought me in a bag full of ties one day. I mean, Prada ties and Donald Trump ties. And it was fantastic. But so just at that point in my life, though, feeling like that no matter what I was accomplishing for myself, it didn't feel like enough. Because you hear people say how important family is, how important friends are, how always treat your mother good. and But if I could go back to that kid and tell that kid, you know, that it is all about you. It's all about self-development. It's about you, no one else, because the better person you become, then the better you become for everything you're a part of. And what you really shouldn't focus on is not the things that you can't change or that won't change. Right. So at that age, still didn't have a father, still didn't have a relationship with my mother, still didn't have a relationship with my grandmother, still didn't have anyone that I could truly call a best friend that I could trust with anything. No, yeah, I was having fun, but no solid girlfriend or anything like that. You know, focusing on all of those things, that's the wrong thing to do, right? You want to know what you can't change so you can focus on what you can and also what's going to inevitably change. So one thing my mother used to always say is what a difference a day makes, what a difference a year makes. That's something that you can't change. That's always going to change. Okay. So just for example, so if you start to focus on the things that you can change and things that are going to change and you stop worrying about what won't, it's easy to look past and move past things. So that's, that's some great advice, whether it's going to be in the, in the corporate world or if you're going to be an entrepreneur or just, you know, in life in general. That's a good way, I think, to be able to thrive and move past certain things, because I'm not here to talk down on medicine or any full procedures to help people get through tough times. But to go from that space where I, I shot myself 
And, you know, I spent a month in the hospital for recovery. I actually had a spiritual revelation through the whole thing. And then you get out and you're going back to this world, you know, and then it wasn't even a year after that. I ended up homeless and sleeping on the streets. You know, I never sat through a therapy session. I never seen a psychiatrist and I've never taken any medicine to this day. So, again, it's everyone's different. I'm not saying that it's something that is terrible or that won't help you. I'm just I want everyone to realize what they can do. You can do things. You don't want to numb what you don't want to go through. Right. You don't pray for an easier life. You pray that you're stronger and that you're better so that you can deal with it. And that's what accepting the challenge is all about, because how can you truly be a winner or a champion if there was no challenge? Mark, it definitely sounds like you have another book coming. So I can't, I can't <laughs> wait for that. But you're right. I mean, realize what you can do first and foremost. And, and you had the idea and you, and you set it into action for sure. I like what you said there is, you know, one, don't focus on things you cannot change, except the things you cannot change. But there's one thing I realize is there's one thing that's always guaranteed is change is constant. Mm-hmm. Change is always happening. There's always another day. There's nights coming. The world's changing. Life is changing. There's some things you just can't change and you have to accept it. You have to understand that. So I love the fact that you said, realize what you can do and don't focus on the things that you cannot change for sure. Absolutely. And I'm excited to, let's see this next book coming up. You know? <laughs> That's pretty wild. It's coming soon. Yeah, you gave, you know, and just some more things you touched on is homeless, mental health, you know, I mean, there's so much, you you know, family. I mean, that's, those are big life problems and you are where you are today, which I commend you. You're very successful. I'm sure you could have just, you know, looked at the dark side and always stayed dark and, and, you know, never felt that you could get out of the water and and you, and you feel like you're drowning all the time, but you made it, you know, you, you, you put your head down and, and you got to work and you did it. So no matter, and again, with this podcast, it, this is not just about, you know, I'm a business owner and I'm an entrepreneur. This is about everybody that is working to challenge themselves, get better in life, get better at what they do. It's ultimately scaling business is scaling your life. Mm. And we'll, we all have the opportunity to do that. And we all have the ability to do it. And look at all the things you went through and you're still doing it. So, man, Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. It was exciting to talk to you. I learned so much. Where can people at this point find him, Mark? Is there social media contacts that, you know, if they wanted to see you, like you, follow you, kind of hear a little bit more about your story, where can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So right now, TikTok. Yeah, I started a TikTok a couple months ago and just giving some tidbits of advice on there and some sales tips. So on TikTok, it's at challenge your perception, or you could just search Mark, M-A-R-K, Akins, A-K-I-N-S, and you should be able to find me. I'm also on LinkedIn, Mark Akins, once again, if you want to find me on LinkedIn. And so, you know, still looking to expand a little bit more as far as the social media goes and the internet goes, but that's what I, I got going so far. Great. And obviously your book that's coming out, another book that I hope that you write as well. But we'll post all that information as well at the bottom so they can search you, find you, like you. I appreciate you guys for listening to us. Please listen some more, like us, subscribe to us. You can always find these podcasts on my website, davidandras.com, D-A-V-I-D-A-N-D-R-A-S.com. Also on the Mission Matters website, as well as Apple, Spotify, you name it. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. I hope you got as much out of today as I did. Until the next time, 
Be real, make it great, and listen. Accept the things you cannot change. Till the next time, we'll talk to you soon. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.